Hi, welcome to this week's Fond Digital Industry Spotlight. This is episode two, and today we're going to be talking about um, the Legion United badge saga, um, double click search update, Snapchat, and voice search. So, first up, we're going to talk about the, um, the Legion United badge. So this has been covered um, in every, every single publication in the UK at least, yeah. probably Europe. Um, basically, what happened was Legion United just decided to drop a new badge design on the fans just mid season. No warning. Um, small consultation of ten thousand people or thousand people. I can't remember, but um, no one of note seemed to got seemed to have got consulted, including journalists, etc., and people who are close to the club. Um, so this, this created all kinds of things that ties into digital marketing. Yeah, I don't think there were any consultation that got made by anyone that knew anything about branding. I think the eight thousand people that were in a pub. Um, it was so bad that Gaviscon um, sort of trolled them a little bit, took the branding, turned it into their colours, created an ad out of it. The ad's gone viral. Um, so basically they capitalised on the back of a really bad design. To like a man coffin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been compared to a white supremacy logo, hasn't it? So, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not ideal, is it? Um, well, who was it? Was it Lineker that coined it originally and compared it to Heartburn or something like that? Oh right, so really it might have been Gerlin here. Yeah, someone, that's what they were riding off. They were riding off the back of his comments saying yeah, yeah. that it's bad enough to, that it gives me heartburn or something like that. <laughs> so yeah. then Gavin Scott obviously spun that round and were like, "Yes, there's something here." Did well to get on it straight away. It's obviously pretty pretty important in digital marketing, reactive advertising, getting on stuff quick. It's very a lot reactive. Of topics a lot. I did wonder though. Do you think there's going to be like any branding? Concerns or anything like that because they've pretty much taken the exact same branding as the Leeds logo, haven't they? We're not using it though. I think so. I think the fact that it's been pulled is probably a good sign. Leeds yeah. are not going to use it anymore. They're going back to the drawing board. But I think uh, for the amount of press coverage that Gaviscon got out of it, mm, worthwhile yeah. and pay pay your pay your dues. Yeah, I think they've completely pulled the ad now. I think uh, yeah, quite a big bad rap for it. I think they put a lot of money behind it though because everybody seems to have picked it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's good you don't, really, you don't really get brands that do that sometimes. Like Gaviscon, never heard of them doing any reactive marketing at all, ever. And then just, just suddenly jump on something. Well, that shows it's the most mundane brand. Yeah, exactly. Gaviscon, indigestion relief. Yeah, that's <laughs> good. I mean, it's fun, isn't it? I mean, I don't think anybody's going to, off the back of this, go and buy a load of Gaviscon either. But I think it no. raises the profile of the brand a little bit. Definitely. It makes you sound a little bit fun in that space, obviously. Don't Compared to whatever is the next best competitor. Well, it's one of them things, isn't it, when you get heartburn, even if it's a year down the line, you might think, oh, that, that Gabby's gone. They, they're for heartburn. They did that Leeds thing. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, the amount of people that will think of it way, way down the line is probably long-term benefit. Well, more than anything, it's noise about the brand, isn't it? It's noise. Yeah. Noise off the back of someone else's mistake. Yeah. Cheap noise. Cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there was an article highlighted on Search Engine Land um, based on a survey where people are becoming less inhibited about how they're using um, voice search in public. So whereas probably three years ago, someone talking to the phone would look a bit odd. Um, you get that a lot these days. The rising um, voice apps on phones is becoming more prominent. Um, and things like Alexa, Google Home um, have obviously paved the way. Um, I think from a search perspective, Google have been moving towards a more conversational um, algorithm in terms of capitalising on long term, uh, long form. Tail? Tail. 
keywords. Um, so I think that's something that's been happening for a while. I think um, Amazon releasing Alexa and um, the Echoes has accelerated everyone's sort of race to get there um, and brought it into the public eye. I think the adoption of that specific product, although Amazon is a massive platform, they could probably sell you a plastic bag with Amazon branding on it and people would buy it. Um, I think that has really heated it up. Um, you've got everybody trying to jump in there. Samsung have got Bixby. Um, Google, obviously, voice search has been built in for a while. You've got Amazon with Alexa. Then you've got, who else is Siri? Siri, obviously, yeah. Siri's um, probably the first one that got created. Yeah. Cartina as well. Yeah, it's Microsoft even had a go at it. Are they still supporting that? Well, it's, so. it's on Windows, yeah, but Windows Phone's defunct now, isn't it? So it's just desktop-based voice search yeah. through Katana. I'm not sure how much how much resource putting into developing that further, but yeah, they did shove a lot into it. But I think that was mainly down on the, the phone. But yeah. yeah, I imagine they're still supporting it. Yeah, I think in my opinion, um, we'll see a similar trend in voice search to the mobile desktop traffic slide. So whereas maybe eight years ago, I would say probably, what, 90% desktop searches. Now it's the other way around almost. What are we talking, like 85% mobile? Yeah, there are there about. It's a about. mobile now. Um, I think in another five years, voice will have been in the public eye for seven, eight years. I think we'll start to see that becoming a more regular. It may not be um, an everyday usage. Cause I don't think you're ever going to really walk around and speak to your phone as opposed to typing on your phone. But things like in-home usage, things like that, I think are just going just gonna to explode. I mean, the amount of Echo devices that Amazon have sold is... It yeah. kind of indicates the way it's going. I think that's it. I think that's gonna that's paved the way. And I think another why we're seeing obviously an increase generally in people using search commands is because of like the Echo and the the Home and stuff being launched. People feel more comfortable in a public situation to do it because people are aware of what the other people are doing. Whereas you might just look like a crazy person walking down the street <laughs> asking Cartina mm-hmm. yeah. or, or whatever to you know, do something, like say, a lot of people have an Echo or a home in the, in the house now, so they're used to hearing those day-to-day commands. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think the uh, the stumbling block at the minute and where a lot of people probably still don't use it to the extent that they, they will a few years down the line is the frustration of the accuracy. Yep. Um, they are getting more accurate. They've got better over the last three years, I would say. Yep. But still, I think people prefer to either do you know perform a search through a browser or something like that if they're looking for something rather than you know a voice command because they know that it's they don't want to have to do it twice yeah, yeah. although the, there's the if, if you you know pinning a you know wrong character that's equally as frustrating but people are more adept at doing that than they are the voice function it's learning the technology that's powering uh, the commands as well yeah. in the search function <clears throat> because I mean how many times have you give your phone a command or your Alexa and yeah, it's not going to respond. Yeah. It's frustrating, so you just resort back to what is the the easiest thing, really. But as that technology develops, I think it'll it, people will start, start seeing more of it. Definitely, that's definitely one of the keys. I think when performing a voice search saves you more time than typing it. That will become when it starts really rocketing. I think it's all about time. It takes you longer to type something into your phone as it would to speak to something, but the accuracy is the, it's the key there. Yeah, I disagree on quite a bit this. <laughs> so I'll chuck my two pens. Go on then. Uh, I think voice search is obviously going to increase because 
starting from pretty much scratch. So yeah. it's got to go somewhere. It's only going to go up. But it depends what you're comparing it to. So if you're comparing it to text-based search, so if you think about applications of that, let's say you're in the workplace, for example, if you do a voice search, um, you're going to want to read the results. So this is different to an echo, where it's going to be literally read back to you uh, by a robot or whatever. Um, whereas if you're speaking into a computer or a phone, you're going to be reading it back on screen. You're not going to get it spoken back to you nine times out of ten, I imagine. So application there, I think, is, is stunted quite a bit because let's say you're doing some research at work, you're not going to want it dictated back to you, you're going to want to read it. So you've obviously got a screen in front of you anyway. If it's on a phone, it's got a keyboard on it. If it's not on, on a phone, you've got a keyboard in front of you anyway. Um, but I think I do agree with a lot of your points around the hardware. I think software and hardware advances have come on tons and tons and tons in the last five years when it comes to um, noise cancelling microphones, um, and just you know, speaker technology coming down in price, and then you look at you've got someone like Amazon pushing these devices, selling them for dirt cheap. Distribution networks, obviously, spot on. They put them to the top of the search. You type in speaker and Amazon echoes at the top, whether you like it or not. Um, so that kind of that kind of stuff is really pushing it on people. And, <clears throat> and while people continue to use it, they're going to continue to invest in it. I know Amazon absolutely smashing the resource with Alexa. I don't know how many. There's something like hundred thousand people working on it, which yeah. is insane. It's like bigger than a lot. Of a lot of tech companies as a, yeah. as a whole um, and Amazon really need to leverage that because Amazon have got if we're talking about search specifically with voice Amazon have got a hold on that now they've got the hardware um, and Google, they need to have got Google really by the corners and they can they can need to shut the work around a bit there because they've got everyone and um, anyone I don't know what the what the stats are but I mean Alexa voice assistant usage must outweigh Google Apple Microsoft and all the other players all put together by, I don't know, 10 yeah. times something daft. So Apple really needs to shut the way around there. Um, I know that, I don't know what, again, stats-wise, but... Um, I think the key is that Amazon launched Echo two years ago. Although Siri came first on phones, like we've just said there, the, the premise of walking around and talking to your phone as opposed to typing it in two years ago weren't going to work. Mm. So the way in which Amazon's put it across by creating this device that makes it more comfortable and you're in an environment where you're more comfortable naturally because you're at your, in your home. Yeah. Um, I think the, way, the, the place where brands, businesses and marketers are going to have to be aware is the people's way of searching is going to change because going back to the original point of people becoming less inhibited about how they search... It's going to change people's. Um, they're going to start searching for longer, it's going to be longer, longer tail, tail conversational-based yeah. keywords, and I think you need mm. to be aware of that so that you get in that context in your content on your site. Yeah, yeah. I think there'll have to be some big updates just from a you know not like a search perspective anyway, in like the search engine results. I don't know what's going to happen to PPC. Really, oh, there's still happens to ads. Obviously, at the minute you're using you know. Most advertisers, eighty percent of the account will be like short tail and then broad keywords that trigger longer tail queries. Yep. So what's going to happen to that is there going to be more of this automation that we're talking about, more um, like dynamic dynamic ads. Like we've got DSAs at the minute. Is the is your full account going to be run on dynamic searches based on your website content, yep. picking up those terms? It could mean that your ads are more accurately targeted, or is it going to be the other way around? Is it going to be that is you know, more inaccuracy and more irrelevant ads because it's, it's controlled at the minute. You, you Through paid, you basically control the keyword that somebody searches. That's 
that's the easiest way to yeah, go in going way way long term i think from an seo and a ppc perspective we could see them starting to align in terms of you create um a valuable site with good content good user experience you get it right from a development point of view you get your site speed right you get your mobile site spot on the content that you're putting out is good it's relevant to what people are searching for you tie that then back to your paid stuff the better quality your um, site is and your content Google will be able to interpret that and understand that and I think that could potentially tie into quality score so the higher quality your organic presence is and your site and the content and the user experience based on however many signals they um, yeah. dream up will then affect how present you are from a paid perspective so it might not it might not be about um, how you structure your account it might be about how relevant your actual product yeah. and your yeah. content is and your user experience I think I think that's a good point and it's interesting you should mention like quality score as a metric if you did shift to that then there'd be no keywords to base a quality score on so the whole system would end up changing if that's mm. the case you probably wouldn't have one you'd probably have a an experience score or a UX score or something like that but I imagine it would um have other implications for it put more emphasis on like you say site speed and the content that's there how well targeted that is but we're, we're almost halfway there if you think about it D dynamic campaigns do sort of do that for you but the inaccuracies that come along with that you have to be so careful for that and it's only really experienced advertisers that can use them properly so I think that we've got to be careful with that as well. But no doubt Google will launch some products down the line that caters for that. Well, they're never yeah. going to get rid of PPC. I don't think that's going to be a scenario. I think, I think this article is a bit weird, actually. Just looking at the headline again, the search engine landmark. Um, it's talking about using voice search in public. Now, if we're on about public, we're ruling out echoes, obviously. That's not a public thing. Yeah, that's yeah. not a public yeah. device. So we're talking about phones here, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. And if you're dictating a voice into a phone, you're not getting dictated back to like your IDM as an echo. So you can sort of rule out that use case, aren't we? You dictate it into a device and it's showing the results on screen. Yeah. So in terms of PPC and, and Google Ads and what have you, that's gonna, all it's going to do is essentially um, take your voice command and transcode that into text, transcribe that into text, and then show you the same ads that you get, you'd see anywhere. Well, it is, yeah, but you wouldn't search in the same way, would you? If, you if you're searching for something, you're trying to find the shortest way of saying it aren't you have when you not, you, when you, when have you not watched the slightly older generation type of Google query before it's like my dad for example would type yeah, in what is the best what is the cheapest kitchen for me to buy question mark into exactly. Google and what do we do cheapest local kitchens yeah, or yeah. something like that so, we abbreviate it whereas that's where obviously different keywords and match types would come into play yeah. but what how do we cater for the whole variety of people there, if that's the case? But it's already, I, I certainly wouldn't search for something that, that that's that long tail people do. on my device. A 10-year-old that's grown up with a smartphone yeah. in 10 years will search completely differently. Probably so. But that, that's, that's, that's a problem there, then. There's not nothing to do with voice, isn't it? That's something that's going to have to be solved anyway. But it's voice that's going to change the way people are using search because it's lowering people's inhibitions, it's making technology more integrated in everyday life. Mm. It's taken away the embarrassment of having to talk to a device as if it's a person. Yep. That perception then, whether you're typing it or not, will change the way ultimately that people search. Yeah. I don't think it'll it's interesting. ever go yeah. completely mental, you know, seeing people walk down the street commanding the devices no. in that way because people are a lot more private than that, aren't they? I don't think you'd ever get to that level. 
um, to be honest with you. But I imagine you'll start to see it increase, you know, slightly when people start to get a bit more confident. But nobody wants anybody overhearing what they're searching for, do they, while they're on the bus to work. No. What happens if you if you do a product-based search query by voice into an Amazon Echo, then if you say, what's the cheapest kitchen for me or something like that, what does Amazon Echo say back to you? It'll probably recommend, if they haven't got it listed on Amazon.com or the country-specific version, it will say that it doesn't know what you're, what you're talking about. Okay. If it's listed on Amazon, it will recommend... So it will just read you the first Google search result? I don't think it considers Google at all. No, right, okay. Well, is, is, does that sort of present an opportunity for businesses to get more on the skills side of things? So create a Absolutely, skill yeah. um, to deal with queries like this, obviously, if you... I think localised would be a, a big thing for that. So if you've got local kitchen company or something like that they've got the skills to cope with those Domino's has searches. got a skill yeah. You, can yeah. o- you can order a pizza from your local Domino's without even moving yeah not good for obesity oh, I'm going to test that I'm going <laughs> to test what happens when you ask for like tradesman recommendations in Leeds and Amazon Echo and see what happens going go really really actually. broad you've got to think right the same way that social media didn't exist 10 years ago people are going to be Wherever the, wherever the attention is, that's where people are. If people's attention are in search, whatever infrastructure that sits on, voice search, that's, that's, where people need, that's where people are going to be. So businesses, marketers, everybody is going to want to be present on that platform, fundamentally. Yeah. yeah. I don't really think search the way it is today will, this is a pretty bold statement, I don't think it'll ever die in that sense. I don't think there's any way of describing what you're after well enough in any other way, any other method that I can sort of conceive other than typing it in or mm. voice searching. I also think that in the future with voice, none of this work, whether or not voice search or dictating to your phone, takes off as well as people say. None of the work that people like Amazon and stuff is ever going to go to waste because when you look at AR and VR, when it comes to interacting with those devices, there's, there's no mouse and keyboard anymore if you've got something covering your face. So you're going to have to, you're going to, have to operate them somehow and it's pretty much going to be voice. So any of this work that goes into transcribing your voice into actions, whether it be a search query or whether it be a physical, something else you say to it, it's all going to be really, really useful down the line in tech world. So I think commercial be- VR is about 20 years away. As soon as you can apply VR or AR in the workplace, it'll, it'll kick off. Yeah, well, that'll be a next big shift. Oh, it could turn into a... This is going even further ahead of that. Uh, and you start to get it already with like suggestions and your Google Home and all that kind of thing based on the previous activity. You might just be su- suggested uh, yeah, the right yeah. products. It might know you enough based on your, ser- uh, like your search history or you know whatever you've done, what interests you have and everything. It might just give you what you need in future. Obviously, really far down the line, but it might get to you before you get to it. <laughs> Well, that, well, not the premise of those smart fridges that it'd look when you've uh, used all your milk and not put it back in and show you a new one. Yeah. <laughs> back in there. Yeah, that's, that's sort of faded away, but as a fad, hasn't it? But I'm sure there's still ones on the market that do that. Yeah. But. Well, and then you've got the Amazon dash buttons, which is essentially you put an Amazon dash for your toilet roll next to your, your toilet, and every time you run out of toilet, you press that button, and there's one there in the day, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. So it's, that's pretty much the same thing. They're just, just sell, they're just selling time, aren't they? Yeah, Voice yeah. search is going to be quicker. Dash buttons save you going online and doing it. You just push a button. Speed, yeah. time. Yeah, I think that's the underlying thing in it. It's, it's all about speed, whichever way we, we want to approach it, whether it's speech, whether we're typing it in, whether it's suggested, it's just the speed and accuracy of getting where you need to be. Mm. Interesting conversation. Yeah, I went on topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, well, the next topic we're going to be discussing is DoubleClick Search's latest feature, um, which is it's called Adaptive Remarketing. So what they've done is they've basically taken traditional uh, remarketing lists and allowed um, machine learning to update the audiences and the, the bit modifier across all your campaigns, across, across DoubleClick Search. So it's not yet available in AdWords, and it probably won't be for a while, um, but it's just that next generation of machine learning that they're starting to introduce now. How does that relate to budget? I presume it's all managed. Um, well, no, that's the thing. It's, it's automated. It's getting to that programmatic way of advertising through search now. So as opposed to you going through each campaign and adding an audience based on previous performance, DoubleClick's going to do it for you and say this particular audience should be appended to this campaign or ad group and then the, the bid will be changed based on historical performance. So it's just an automated way. It's that next generation of remarketing. And there's not been much in terms of remarketing since the inception of it, really, and it's always been manual up until this point. So it's more about being adaptive and being able to jump on it and expand your reach without having to catch a trend or physically expand it yourself. Yeah, I think that, that's it. It's trying to take the weight, especially for bigger advertisers, trying to take the weight out of manually going through every campaign and seeing which audience works because as most advertisers will know it becomes a bit of a hassle managing every audience testing it observationally and then separating it out figuring out how, how it uh, performs for one campaign or ad group basically double click is saying we're going to make your life easier and take strain off the audience side of things because that in itself is a job on its own mm-hmm. um, so it's going to basically look at every single audience that you've got populating in your AdWords account and apply either an increase if somebody is close to conversion for an audience or they've even got the ability to strip it completely out if it's underperforming. Is this all available now then or is this coming soon or staggering it or what? Yeah, I think it's available now. Um, Like I say, it will be available in AdWords for quite some time. I wouldn't have thought it is uh, only for DS users. Okay, so the next thing we're going to discuss is Snapchat. So um, it's still a, a mystical network, I think, for advertisers, especially brands are still fi- trying to figure out how to leverage it. Snapchat are still trying to figure out how to monetize the platform. Um, it's got quite a young demographic, but they're making efforts to improve their discoverability and get a bit more reach by opening um, the way that people can discover stories uh, so non-snapchat users now will be able to visit a link to see a story so this is basically just taking a story out of your snapchat app and then sharing it as a link to anyone yeah so it's just a web version of a story basically taking so it out of the app that's going to help like take your snapchat story and put it on twitter for example i imagine that they're thinking broad scale it'll be embeds across publications yeah. and things like that so where you see um, a mashable article with a tweet or a video from Twitter embedded, I think that kind of discoverability is going to... Yeah, publishers is embedding Instagrams and stuff all the mm-hmm. time, aren't they? So, yeah, it's a pretty big deal. That. Yeah, a lot of now with these, these apps, these like sort of unicorn apps that come from nowhere and get massive popularity, they build their app presence and don't have any web presence at all and then sort of just shoot on it in later. Well, Instagram's web app has been terrible for ages. They've yeah. only just really started to improve it. And even when they publish one, it's just the, the app in a big window. It's just like, you haven't, there's no like, extra features or 
anything. It's quite a strange way around. It's not something that didn't really happen five, five, ten years ago. I mean, like Facebook, for example, you always had on the website, weren't you? And then all of a sudden, they got an app once, so that's became massive. Yeah. What do you yeah. think Facebook and Insta will do in response to it? Do you think they'll do anything or spin anything out similar? Or I think Facebook have got it kind of covered mm. because the web version of Facebook is pretty good. Yeah. Web version of Twitter is really good. Um, so I don't know whether they'll have to respond, but I think more than Facebook having to respond to that, I think Snapchat have done that as a way of trying to gain coverage against Facebook. So Snapchat have been really closed off. Obviously, Facebook wanted to buy them. They didn't sell. Yeah. So now I think they're trying to open avenues to compete again, um, whether it'll work. Do you know what I think this might like, annoy some of the demographic? Like You get celebrities that use Snapchat because it's, it's quite closed off, isn't it? Obviously, it's historically known for sending photos that you can't save and sending chats that you can't save. So um, celebrities sort of might think they've got a bit of privacy and then it's not going to be in, in, in Daily Mail's website tomorrow or whatever. Yep. Um, whereas put it on Instagram, obviously, it's so easy to share and everyone's floating around everywhere. That it's just If you put it on Instagram, it's, the world can see it, basically. But if you put it on Snapchat, it seems like you, you know when your audience a little bit and celebrities might post more intimate stuff or... Seems like that might go out window a little bit, so they got to be careful. But like you say, it's all... It's the same old thing, though, isn't it? Facebook yeah. are transparent about the fact that they generate the majority of their revenue through ads, which means they've got to have the traffic and the attention and the discoverability. Snapchat has been so closed off, yep. and they've been trying to figure out so many different ways to monetize. And I think they're coming to the slow realisation that they can't just figure something out. They need yeah. to act in the same way as the other networks. They've got the attention, they've built the user base. Mm. It's still a prominent platform, but in terms of monetizing it, they're going to have to, at some stage, let marketers or brands capitalize on it. I think up until now, it's been more of a personality-based, influencer-based platform. Yep. I guess it's just not... If a USP platform is literally... It's, it's like disposable broadcasting almost. It's Snapchat, mm-hmm. isn't it, with the stories? Yeah. Or disposable messaging if you're doing one-to-one. Um, and all of a sudden now that might sort of... The disposable aspect of it might sort of... That might be it. I mean, Twitter seems to have rode that out pretty well with the... That's a 140-character long messaging service and then all of a sudden it's 280. It's just, yeah. the, the original USP from the whole idea... Throw it out a window and keeping your audience and user base and just riding out and not making a difference seems to be it's possible, obviously. I think it's it might start to grab the attention of like the older demographic as well. Maybe if they're making noise and they're trying to do other stuff, they've very much been sort of siloed to that younger demographic up until now, haven't Definitely. they? Definitely. So if they open up the door to, you know, let's say 30 upwards with this new launch, then obviously that's, that's a good thing for them. Definitely. Um, thanks for watching if you've got any thoughts we'd love to hear them jump in the comments below or drop us an email or reach out on social um, and we'd be happy to talk about anything in a bit more detail thanks